Good morning, everybody. Thank you for making it in today. I hope that all of you are planning something very special for the mothers in your life in light of the holiday and, well, every day for that matter. Um, quick note before we start moving here, you guys have been awesome at helping get the word out about this podcast, and I'm very grateful for that. So keep doing what you're doing. Spread the word. Subscribe. You know, Leave reviews. Um, the reason that I'm harping on this so much is that I really do believe that this content is meant for everyone in some way. You know, I'm trying to go about this in a way where the civilian that's never served can satisfy their curiosity, or many of you that uh, have can be reminded of what made your experiences special. And you know, also so that everyone can learn from the multitude of mistakes that I've made and a few of the triumphs that I've had. You know, so do me a favor and share it on social media. Keep passing it to your family and friends. Um, you know, everybody can get something out of this. Okay, so I've spoken a bit about uh, some of the most prominent influences in my life in the past episodes. Um, you know, men like my father and uh, Zach Walters, and you know, others that I've fought and developed with, and. I've mentioned historical figures like Hannibal Barca that have, that have guided me through different phases of my life. Uh, but today, I'm going to share about a different group of people that have helped make me who I am today and that will continue to help drive my development. And if you follow me on Instagram at ST Blackwell, then you know from the reel that I put out yesterday that this topic in particular makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but... If I'm comfortable, then I'm not growing. So we're going to do the thing. Uh, now, it's obvious at this point that I'm not a marriage or family expert of any sort. But I'm going to kick this one off with a statement that will completely give up the ghost. Um, the only thing that can affect a man as profoundly as war and training for war is the love of a fine woman. As the saying goes... Behind every great man, there's an even greater woman, and I'm beyond fortunate and so grateful to have that. Today, <clears throat> excuse me, today's episode is going to be a flip of the coin in which we examine a little bit of how my adventures and my decisions have impacted my wife and my mother. Now, it's important to understand that there is no possible way that I can truly convey the emotions that they felt. I'll never fully understand that, but... What I'm trying to do is honor their indispensable contributions in a way that can help you guys understand that I've come to realize how getting wrapped up in the ins and outs of life and work, etc., can be damaging to them. So just like a lot of what we discussed in prior episodes, this isn't a preaching session. It's just me letting you in on my process of critical self-examination because I believe that you can take the information and maybe make better decisions, and I'm going to do the same moving forward. Uh, last thing before we dive deep, if you're a mother or a wife listening to this, thank you for everything. I hope that this episode can convey an acknowledgement of how impactful you all are. Um, we're going to begin with a quote from my favorite book written by my favorite author. So very brief backstory here. In 
480 BC, there was a battle fought between an alliance of Greek warriors led by the Spartans and the vast Persian Empire. Um, the Spartans selected 300 warriors to oppose the Persians, who outnumbered them to the point that every Spartan knew he would die. It was a certainty. And so the Spartan king, Leonidas, selected only men with born sons to ensure that their lineage would continue. And the passage that I'm about to read comes from a book called Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield, which should be required reading in every school and I believe in every home. While it is a novelization of the Battle of Thermopylae, there is no other passage that I have found that can help illustrate what the relationship between the warrior and women should look like in a healthy society. So Leonidas summons a woman by the name of Paralea to his home a few days before the forces set to leave for certain death at Thermopylae. Both her husband and her oldest son have been selected to fight and ultimately die. And at this point in the book, she is retelling this encounter with the king to others. And we'll pick up where Leonidas arrives home from training and preparing the army for the upcoming battle. He finds the lady sitting on a bench with his wife and joins them to speak directly to the reason that she's been called on. So here we go. With apology for his tardiness, he sat, thanking me for presenting myself so punctually and inquiring after my ailing father and others of our family. Though it was plain, he bore a thousand burdens of the army and the state, not accepting the prescience of his own imminent death and the bereavement of his beloved wife and children. Yet, as he took his bench, he dismissed all from his mind and addressed himself to me alone with undiverted attention. Do you hate me, lady? These were his initial words. Were I you, I would. My hands would now be trembling with fury, hard suppressed. He cleared a space on his bench. Come, daughter, sit here beside me. I obeyed. The lady Gorgo moved subtly closer upon her settle. I could smell the king's sweat of his exercise and feel the warmth of his flesh beside me as, when a girl, I had known my own father's when he had called me to his council. Again, the heart's surfeit of grief and anger threatened to take me out of hand. I fought this back with all my force. The city speculates and guesses, Leonidas resumed, as to why I elected those I did to the 300. Was it for their prowess as individual men-at-arms? Well, how could this be, when among champions such as Polynikes, Dianekes, Alpheus, and Maron, I nominated as well unblooded youths such as Ariston and your own Alexandros? Perhaps the city supposes I divine some subtle alchemy of this unique aggregation. Maybe I was bribed or paying back favors. I will never tell the city why I appointed these 300. I will never tell the 300 themselves. But I tell you now. I chose them not for their own valor, lady, but for that of their women. At these words of the king, a cry of anguish escaped my breast, as I understood before he spoke what further he would now say. 
I felt his hands about my shoulder, comforting me. Greece stands now upon her most perilous hour. If she saves herself, it will not be at the gates. Death alone awaits us and our allies there. But later, in battles yet to come, by land and sea. Then Greece, if the gods will it, will preserve herself. Do you understand this, lady? Well, now listen. When the battle is over, when the 300 have gone down to death, then will all Greece look to the Spartans to see how they bear it. But who, lady, who will the Spartans look to? To you. To you and the other wives and mothers, sisters and daughters of the fallen. If they behold your hearts riven and broken with grief, they too will break, and Greece will break with them. But if you bear up, dry-eyed, not alone, enduring your loss, but seizing it with contempt for its agony and embracing it as the honor that it is in truth, then Sparta will stand, and all Hellas will stand with, behind her. Why have I nominated you, lady, to bear up beneath this most terrible of trials, you and your sisters of the 300? Because you can. From my lips sprang these words, reproving the king. And is this the reward of women's virtue, Leonidas, to be afflicted twice over and bear a double grief? On this instant, the queen Gorgo reached for me to offer succor. Leonidas held her back. Instead, yet securing my shoulder within the grasp of his warm arm, he addressed my outburst of anguish. My wife reaches for you, Paralea, to impart by her touch intelligence of the burden she has borne without plaint all her life. This has ever been denied her to be simply bride to Leonidas, but always she must be wife to Lacedaemon. This now is your role as well, lady. No longer may you be wife to Olympias or mother to Alexandros, but you must serve as wife and mother of our nation. You and your sisters of the 300 are the mothers now of all Greece and of freedom itself. This is stern duty, Paralea, to which I have called my own beloved wife, the mother of my children, and have now as well summoned you. Tell me, lady, was I wrong? Upon these words of the king, all self-command fled my heart. I broke down weeping. Leonidas pulled me to him in kindness. I buried my face in his lap as a girl does with her father and sobbed, unable to constrain myself. The king held me firmly, his embrace neither stern nor unkind, but bearing me up with gentleness and solace. As when a wildfire upon a hillside at last consumes itself and flares no more, so my fit of grief burned itself out. A peace settled clemently upon me, as if gift not alone of that strong arm which clasped me yet in its embrace, but of some more profound source, ineffable and divine. Strength returned to my knees and courage to my heart. I rose before the king and wiped my eyes. These words I addressed to him. Not of my own will, it seemed, but prompted by some unseen goddess whose source and origin 
I could not name. Those were the last tears of mine, my Lord, that the sun will ever see. Every time I read that passage, I remember some of the most important experiences that I had. And now that I'm a few years older, I find myself wondering about my wife's perspective and how she took in those key moments. You know, and, and, and for our first time listeners out there, one of the most critical moments in my career as an infantryman and in my life was five days before we deployed to Afghanistan, which was my first combat deployment. Uh, my squad leader, Zach Walters, was killed. He had gone ahead on what we call the advance party, so the rest of us, uh, most of our unit, were still home. And I go into a lot more detail in uh, episodes four and five about that, so go give them a listen and catch up. Um, but after we found out that uh, that he was killed and they finally released us to go home to our families, you know, I called my wife and I told her what we knew because we were on our way to see Zach's girlfriend and I didn't want her to find out through Facebook. And the conversation was so brief, so cut and dry. Uh, you know, being so young, I was 22 at the time and still grasping the reality of the situation. I didn't put much thought into how I should tell her. So I just called and kind of just spit it out. Um, you know, I had no, no way of knowing what she must've been feeling. And we had been married for just over six months, been living together for about half that. And she had no one nearby. Her family was back home in Tennessee. So I finally get home. It's after dark at this point. So she's had several hours to be completely alone with the news and the thought that her new husband is five days from deploying to a combat zone where we've already had men killed. Not only that, but she knew that I was Zach's first team leader, which meant that I was next in line to lead the squad. And I walk in the door to our little one-bedroom apartment and sit down on the bed, and she just says, if you need to let it out, just go ahead. Completely concerned with me and how I was feeling. And throughout the night, you know, I had mentors and family call to check in and, and she was there for all of it, never intruding or interrupting, but understanding that I needed to hear from those men. Um, you know, in, in the blink of an eye, our world had changed dramatically and she was so calm on the outside. I don't remember her setting, shedding a single tear that night. Um, I'm sure she wanted to. And in the years since, she's told me that she was terrified, but I never would have guessed. Um, she didn't break down or panic or beg me not to go. She just sat with me in between those calls and listened. And when I told her that I would be spending at least two of the remaining five days we had left going to receive Zach's remains and, and meet his mother, she just said, okay. I'll be here when you get back. And it's memories like that that get me thinking, 
you know, what was life like for her when I deployed? You know, who did she have to lean on when I was gone? Yeah, I was free to focus on what was happening right in front of me on all of those adventures because I didn't have to worry about what was going on back home. She had everything handled. And I consider this not just about Afghanistan, but the other five deployments too. And she didn't have anybody close by. She had friends and family with you know, the hundreds of separating miles bridged by technology at best. But ultimately... She was alone. I mean, truly alone. And then I think about my mother as well. You know, from her, for her, there was no shield from the emptiness of a home once animated by a happy family. No respite from the restless wanderings of her mind that kept her from sleep and, and fixated her thoughts on the possibility of receiving the earth-shattering news of my death. Both of them, in spite of the support of their family and friends, endured this alone. Now, fathers too know a shade of this cruelty. You know, they get to see the effect on the woman they built a life with. But as with many things, it, it, it strikes a mother and a wife differently than it does a father and a husband. Not because they're, they're weaker creatures or inferior or any of that bullshit. It, it's quite the contrary. You see, a man will drive himself to exhaustion, working and, and toiling in some fashion or another to keep his mind from the painful absence of his son at war. But our women bear this burden with a grace and virtue that we cannot understand and too often don't inquire about so that we can grasp a glimpse of the emotionally draining and traumatizing effects of it. For instance, to this day, my mother will not watch a war movie or TV show, even over a decade after the safe return of her son's. Yeah, you heard right, plural. She had a double dose of this suffering, much like the Lady Paralia from Gates of Fire. She doesn't even watch the news. And when I finally gained some awareness of her struggle, the thought of asking her about it terrified me. You know, I, I actually went to my father first and got his permission to even broach the subject with her. And when I mustered the courage to ask her about it, the very memories of that year brought tears and pain. She was forced to relive it all over again just for my education. So a little clarification here. Let's, let's set the stage for Mama Blackwell, okay? In 2010, my older brother, also a Marine infantryman, a squad leader like me, deployed to Afghanistan's Helmand province. And they were engaged in heavy fighting with numerous casualties the whole time. And halfway into his deployment, my unit deployed to Marja in the same province. Now, remember, my squad leader, Zach Walters, and another, Derek Shanfield, were both killed on the advance party five days before we left. So my mother, in June of 2010, already burdened with the absence of her oldest son at war, now learns about Zach and Derek before sending her youngest to the same war. 
Each of us were simultaneously in two of the most violent places on earth. And she is back home, surrounded by the pictures and memories of raising us into the men that we are. With the possibility of losing both of us in an instant. Always looming over her. For an entire year. And the few times that we spoke while I was in Marja, you know, I, I did my best to let her know that I was with good men and that we were doing well, but I can't remember ever asking her how she was doing. And even with her staying away from the news whenever there's a, a casualty or a death, everyone knows about it. But when that word spreads, it's, it's general until the families can be notified. So for my wife and my mom, they're going through all this. And every week, sometimes multiple times a week, they get told that someone has been hurt or killed. And then they have to wait days before they find out who it is. Think about what kind of stress over that length of time does to someone, anyone. It changes them. There's no way that anybody goes through that and comes out exactly as they were before. Now, much is made about the sacrifice and the struggles of the warrior, but too often, the permanent effects of our absence and the toll that it takes on the women that literally support our entire world go unnoticed or not understood. And I was one of the worst offenders of that. Now, this is the real travesty. So we, as fighting men, accept this life of adventure, sacrifice, challenge, and, and growth, and oftentimes without any thought to how it affects them. And they follow without protest because their hearts know loyalty that is deeper than we can comprehend. That's just the truth of it. They suffer in silence as we march off towards imminent danger and even death. And still, they stand as firm as a Greek warrior in the formation. They endure this pain and hardship without knowing whether or not we will come home. And when we do return, they resume without missing a beat. The management of the home and care of our children as if nothing has happened. There's an example of that grace and virtue that I mentioned earlier. And we embark on our journey of, you know, of, of reconciliation and recovery. And, and, and even if we don't recognize it, while well, they just continue on. And for me, as I forged ahead, focusing on the next adventure, I never stopped to consider the effects of all this on my wife and ask myself, well, what about her? Does she need to heal from the frayed nerves and constant mystery of not knowing where I was or what I was doing or if I was even alive? Now, I think I've done a decent job of explaining the fact that I'm as far from perfect that someone can get. And I bet my next paycheck that most of you guys listening can relate to me when I say that Mother's Day typically is when I show the most appreciation for my wife. And her birthday, of course. Don't ever, ever miss a birthday. But, so as I continue on this journey of personal development, 
that I'm on now. I've, I've come to really think about how I do that and, and how often I do that. And it's not nearly enough, okay? So let's, let's compare the resumes here, okay? So this woman committed to me with full knowledge of the fact that she could be a widow before the age of 22. Stuck it out through six overseas deployments and six moves over the course of about a decade. Heap on the fact that I was gone training for at least 50% of the time that I wasn't deployed. And on the last deployment, she was essentially a single mom. She brought both of my sons into the world. And I buy a few gifts two or three times a year. Maybe manage a few dates here and there and tell her I love her every day is I devote about 75% of my time in any given year to work. And that's not even mentioning the fact that I made our lives hell after all of that when I got out of the Marine Corps. Anybody else see how unbalanced this is? You know, I think we get so caught up in work because we're hardwired to provide and, and that we forget to just take a second and put in a little bit of effort to what really matters most. Because guess what? Our jobs end eventually. doesn't matter what you do to provide for your family. Eventually it will end. And what are we left with? The people that have been there the whole time. I don't want to get to that point in my life and realize that I've neglected those people for so long that we don't know each other and have no memories together. You know, a bouquet of flowers is not going to convey how much my wife means to me or the fact that if she was not here, then our home would decline until it collapsed. And the love and the warmth that pours out of her is what animates our home. You know, without which there would be no joy, no happiness, no fulfillment. And it was made possible by the loving will and the example of my mother who showed me just how special a woman can be. I never had to deal with a broken home or a rough childhood because I had parents who were, they were committed to their happiness and showing us how life should be lived and what is truly important in life. You know, even though I lost sight of that for a long time and it's very apparent to me how impactful these women are now. I want my wife to be moved to tears of joy because she can feel how grateful I am to have her in my life. I want her to feel on top of the world and to be valued beyond all else. To know that my heart desires her over my professional pursuits and that my journey of development as a man is driven by my commitment to be the man that she deserves. I want my mother to breathe easy knowing that she has endured what few ever will and still provided the type of example and love that has permanently shaped me as a husband and a father. You know, gentlemen, the fact is that our women know an impossible love that has depths which we cannot fathom. 
It is this that supports us and sustains the best parts of who we are in the hardest of times. And this is just one of those mysteries that makes them so, so magnetic and enchanting. And, you know, I'm, I'm not an authority on marriage or parenthood or relationships of any sort. But what I do know is that my wife deserves to know every day, not just once or twice a year, but every day how much she means to me. And I mess it up more than I succeed at it. Most days I'm consumed with providing the best living I can for our family, which (laughs) she also helps with being a working mom. So tack that one onto the resume as well. But I hope this message will let her know that I'm I am in awe of how wonderful she is and that I don't want to imagine a life where I do not have the honor of caring for her and pursuing her and loving her as she deserves. So I'm going to try something new instead of the typical few select days out of the year where I do something special. I'm going to aim high, all right? I'm going to pay attention to the little things. Make her smile every day. Make her laugh as often as I can. Show her that I love her. I hope that this message has kind of helped you guys realize that you can do the same thing. Hit me up. Let me know how it goes. All right? That's all I got for today, guys. Um, just a quick message about how important and how impactful the, my wife and my mother have been on my journey and how they still are and, and what they mean to me. So stop listening to me talk. Go be with your families. Call your mom. Call your wife if you're not close to them. Do something special. Okay, Go all out. Do something crazy that they don't expect. All right, And then keep that moving forward. Okay? Let's have a better year. Let's have a better life of appreciating the women that hold us up. All right? Like, subscribe, leave a review, spread the word, get savage, and stay savage.